So the title for today is God is just. I know some of you are we're saying love, right? We're going to get back to that a little bit later, but but God is just. Just. That is that's the title for today, Romans 3, 25 to 31. And speaking of justice, uh, we I went to we went to watch the Cry of Freedom movie this week where they're selling the children into sexual slavery. And boy, you just come out of there and you're just like burning mad. Right. I mean, I think we all agree on that. Just burning mad for, for what? For justice. You just want to get those guys who are kidnapping and enslaving these children and, and, and just doing terrible things to them. You just want to get those guys, these these enslavers. And then you get I got home and I saw the, the media reviews. Uh, and I got even madder because it's unbelievable. And then I then I found out what, that Disney tried to block this movie for five years. It was it was ready to go five years ago. Disney would not release it, would not let it come out. Finally, legally, they took it away from Disney and released it, and it outsold uh, the Disney movie this week. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, and but th- th- what is what is that all about? Why why do these people want to hide what is happening? Why do they want to de- deny it? Or to minimize it, uh, that for the same demonic reason that they want to kill babies in the womb, for the same demonic reason they want to take children and, and mutilate them in the name of trans freedom, you know. And, and, and now that this, this, it's all a, a demonic attack on children. It's it's just unbelievable, and it makes us mad, and it should make us mad, right? It should make us really mad. Uh, Psalm 119.53, David says this, speaking through the Holy Spirit. He says, indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. There's a time to be mad and, and really mad. Righteous anger is a godly emotion. That's why God gave us anger. Did you know that? God gave us anger. So if we didn't ever get angry, we wouldn't do what needs to be done sometimes. Now, in your anger, do not sin. We know that Ephesians talks about that. But so we can sin with anger. But but the righteous anger causes us to act on something when we would normally "Ah, just let it go. You know, when your kids do something, let it go. No, no, get mad. You can finally do something about it. Right. And and that it it, it moves us to act in righteous ways. And that's what righteous anger is about. And, And that's where justice. This comes in. Oh, God has also given us a sense of justice. It's another thing that we are created with because God has a, a deep sense of justice, which we're going to look at here in a minute. But but we get that sense of justice from God, our creator. Everybody has an innate sense of justice. That's not fair, right? Your little kid, somebody butts in the line, gets in front of them. That's not fair. You know, everybody knows it's not fair, right? You don't have to teach it. It's just innate in us. Even the delusional people who claim that they believe in relativism, that there's no right and wrong. You know, there's some of these folks, it's getting to be a lot more of them today, but, but just injure, just injure them in some way. Just take something of theirs away. And guess what? They're the biggest whiners of all. They're the biggest complainers. They're the ones suing everybody. You know, these people that believe there's no right and wrong, they're the ones doing the suing. Why? Because it's innate in, in, in us. It's, it's, we are created. We are created in God's image. And he is just. God is just. Now, we saw last week that Jesus rescued us. Remember? He rescued us. Uh, we talked about justification. We talked about redemption. We talked about atonement. If you missed that, make sure you listen because this is all building on that. But, but Jesus rescued us by dying on the cross. But why? Why did he have to? Because God 
is just, as we're going to see today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for everyone who's here or, or watching or listening somewhere. We thank you for your word that is so powerful. We pray for your Holy Spirit to move powerfully as we look at your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Romans three twenty-five to 31. I'm just going to read it here. Uh, God, this is taken off on what we saw last week. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did it to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what, the, of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Now, we're going to deal with the, law, the faith part uh, in a couple weeks when I'm back again. We're going to deal with the whole faith. Romans chapter 4 is all about faith. It's always been faith. Going to hammer away at that. But I want to focus today on God's justice. Verse 25, where he says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Um, Let me just look up something real quick here. Uh, yeah, okay, so I don't know what version we got there, but we have one word that I wanted to stick with, the 1984 version. But be, uh, I'll just read it. Verse 25 says, For uh, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, which they translated righteousness, which, which fits. But I want to focus on the justice part of it. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So why did God, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement, remember last week, at one meant through faith in his blood. Remember, we really talked about that, going to hit it some more today. But why? To demonstrate his justice or his righteousness. It goes right together, righteousness, justice can be used interchangeably. Because in his forbearance, he had left, left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now, he's not talking about all sins. God has not left all sins unpunished uh, throughout history. But he's talking about the, the sins of those who had put their faith in the sacrificed lamb that was looking forward to Jesus. Remember, we talked about that last week. But he, the, all who had put their faith in Jesus by sacrificing a lamb and placing their sins on that lamb before it, the blood was shed of that lamb. We talked about all that last week. All right. If you didn't listen, make sure you go back and listen to that. But the, those people, those of faith who followed Abraham's faith, their sins were not held against them. And we see this very story in Luke in Luke 16, starting with verse 19, with a rich man and Lazarus. Listen to what happened. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and, a fine, and fine linen and lived in luxury in every way. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels... 
carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. But Abraham, uh, so he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted, and here you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, said that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Boy, is that prophetic? Is that prophetic? So we see that those who put their faith in God and sacrifice the lamb... They were considered children of Abraham, and they went to Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom. And 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 when people would die at one point, they would go down down into the earth somewhere. And on one side was was Hades had two sides. It had Abraham's bosom. There was a great chasm between them, and on the other side was what we would call hell. And and that hell someday will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's a whole other thing in Revelation. But but those who had put their faith in the Lamb were were with Abraham, not in the hot part. But they could see each other at that time, not anymore. But God had left everybody in Abraham's bosom. He had left their sins unpunished, unpunished, until the ultimate Lamb was sacrificed. They couldn't go up into heaven because their sins weren't atoned for yet. It wasn't until Jesus died on the cross that he could then go down and take them up to heaven. And when you see, you know, the, the Apostles' Creed where it says he descended into hell and he did, Jesus did not go into hell and be pinched by demons for, for, for three days. That's not what happened. He went down into hell, Hades, to Abraham's bosom and took those who were in Abraham's faith and took them up to heaven. Because now he could, because the sins were no longer unforgiven. They were now forgiven because Jesus had paid for those sins. They could now go into God's presence. Until then, no one could go into God's presence because they had had to uh, be forgiven. Those sins that God had left unpunished until the lamb was sacrificed. But after the cross, Jesus was able to take them into God's presence. Why? Why this complicated, intricate chain of events, why was that needed? Because verse 26 says, He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, this is deep, but let's follow me on this. Because of God's justice, this couldn't, they, we couldn't, no one could go to heaven before this because of God's justice. It was so important to God, His justice, because that's who He is. God is just. And He wanted to, He wanted to keep His justice, but He wanted to still justify us. 
You got that? He wanted to still be just, but he wanted to justify us. But in order to do both, somebody had to pay the price. Someone had to pay the price of breaking God's law. And that's where Jesus comes in and are putting our faith in Jesus. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That's the key. Those who have faith in Jesus. And, and he, he, wanted, he wanted to uh, be just but justify us. And, that, and we have to put our faith in him in order to get that justification. Imagine, imagine a father who's a judge. Imagine a father who's a judge. And he's a judge. And one day into his courtroom comes his son. And his son has got a bad speeding ticket. Did something crazy with his car. And so that's his son, right? Can he just let him go? Well, sure. It happens all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, we see it in the news all the time, right? But what would happen if he did just let him go? He would no longer be just. He wouldn't be a just judge anymore. And that's what we got a whole country of, unfortunately, now, right? He would no longer be just. In order to stay just, in order to keep being a just judge, Somebody has to pay for that crime, right? Somebody has to pay. Now, but the problem is we couldn't pay for our crime. We, we couldn't earn our salvation. We couldn't be good enough by following the law. And even worse, our sin, our breaking God's law is, deserves not a speeding ticket price. It deserves death. Physical and spiritual death. Physically dying and then spiritually being separated from God in all of eternity in hell. Where the rich man was. That's what, that's what we deserve. We are all, every human being, the first moment you sin, and I know there's even, you know, well, well we're not going to get all the theology, but the first sin, you have now entered death row. We are all on death row. Imagine you're on real death row, uh, not real. Imagine you're in a, a prison and you're, let's, let's just say you're, you've murdered somebody, you're in prison, and back when they used to execute people, they, uh, they would, uh, they, they, you are waiting to be executed on death row. And, and they come to get you one day and they say, okay, now it's time, we're gonna take you to be executed. And as you're being led away, someone else, Next to you, one of your buddies, you made friends, you've been, you know, tapping on the wall and you made friends and you're good friends and, and he's also on death row, but he's not scheduled to die till next week. He puts his head out and says, wait, I'll take his place. Let me take his place. And the warden's like, okay, I guess it doesn't matter. We'll switch up. And they, they switch. You go into his cell and he goes off to death row. Has he, what has he done for you? Has he saved you? No, bought you a week, but that's all you could do because you both in the law site are on death row. You both deserve death and execution. But imagine that I'm visiting and I'm a chaplain. I, I'm a, I'm a chaplain and I'm visiting and I see this prisoner being led away and I'm just in visiting. I'm going to get ready to go. And I'm like, Oh, I felt really bad and I feel, you know, feel God leading. And I say, well, you know what? Take, take me instead. Warden, take me instead. I'm going to trade places with him. Have I helped him? Yeah, because I'm not, I'm innocent in the God's sight, in the law's sight. I'm innocent. And if he trades with me, he can walk out where I was going to walk out. Right? 
and I go to, uh, off to be executed that because I never broke the, the law and it was I, I could do that for him. And that's what Jesus did for us. We could not be set free. We are all condemned in, by God's law and his justice. But we but Jesus took our place. We can go free, but we must accept that gift by faith. What if I said to that guy, I'll take his place. He says, ah, I don't believe you can or I, I'm not going to leave my jail cell. I'm not going to trade with you. You know, that, that's what so many people do. They don't act on by, by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. But th- then it's just wasted grace, right? But that's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for us. Do we, but justification and God's justice and justifying us are really important, two very important things that jump out at us here. Who, uh, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. But do we understand the full implication of this? This is really, really big. In the USA today, 90% of the preaching focuses on God's love. God's love. That's why most people in America think... In the USA, think God is love. When I say God is just, I bet most of you were thinking God is love, right? That, that's what we think. God is love. For most people, God is a cross between Santa Claus and Grandpa. And that's how we think of God. He's this Santa Grandpa guy, you know? That's, that's God. And that's why so many people, the major, vast majority think that we can believe whatever we want. I can live any way I want. It's okay because I'm still close to God. You see these people all the time, celebrities, you know, talking about, you know what they're living like, but I'm a Christian and God loves me and I'm really, I'm like this with God. And I'm just like, you know, they, they, that's why they, they think everything's okay. With most people in our country, they're still close to God. I'm still going to heaven. Why? Because God loves me. Because God is love. That is the devil's lie preached by hell's evangelists. That goes completely against God's word. Does God love us? We're going to get to that in a minute. But that, that, that's thinking that I can live anyway and believe anything and do anything. And, and I don't need to put my faith in Jesus and give my life to him and trust him. You know, whatever. I, that, that, is, that is false. God is, first of all, holy. God is, first of all, holy. Leviticus 19.2. What did he say to Moses? Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Holy, holy, first of all, and even one sin completely repulses God. And we have all got a lot more than that, don't we? But even one completely repulses him. Remember Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We saw the, how intense that was last week and how how. How just uh, something we it, it's a uh, I'll give you a picture of how disgusting our sin is. Some of you have heard this before, but it's worth hearing again. Uh, you know, how disgusting our sin, what it's like in God's sight. Uh, growing up on the farm, uh, the, the manu- one of the one of my manure stories. I had the, my little buddy Peter, and I was doing the manure buddy Peter, and I was I was uh, I was. I was 
going out to get the cows one day through the barnyard, and he wanted to help his little sidekick kid. You know, he was giving me a hard time. I'm like, just go home. And no, I want to help you. I want to help you, Chucky. I want to help you. Okay, come on, Peter. So Pete, and so he's following me. <clears throat> I said, but it's important, Pete. Walk wherever I walk, because in our barnyard there was there was holes in the cement where it, it got kind of deep, and some some places it was knee deep. And but there was one place where it fell off, where there was like the water would run off, and it would create like a like a bog, like quicksand, only it was manure sand, all right, uh, quick manure, and, and it, there was an underground spring right there, it was a spring, and we never knew how far that went down, one time somebody lost their shoe in it, and we got them out, and, and I remember we took a, sti- a, a long branch stick, and we just started trying to get the shoe out, we just, it just kept going, it never ended, it just kept going, so we knew to stay away from this. So I said, Peter, follow me. And I went hop and hop in the islands of cement. But he he was a know-it-all. You know, and, and he didn't listen. And all I said, I heard, Juggie, help me. And he had gone off into not just one of the little holes. He got off into the quick manure. The quick manure. And he was sinking. He was up to his knees. And I went, <gasps> because I knew how far that stick went down. And I went running over. And by that time I get to him, he's up to his waist. And he's sinking, and and he was struggling. You know, you know, when you quicksand, don't struggle, lay back, relax. He didn't do that. He panicked. He panicked. He's sinking, and I'm trying to get him out, and I'm pulling, and it's sucking him in. I cannot stop it. I I never forget. All I always his head and his arm are sticking out, and I'm up to my knees, sliding down the side of the this this incline, right? And I'm pulling, and I'm screaming, help, help, help. And, and I, I'm like, I'm going to lose this kid. I'm going to spend my, I'm not, how am I going to explain this to his grandma? His grandma had a bad temper. And so his, and he lived with his grandma across the, you know, stayed with his grandma across the road in the summer. And, and, and he, he, and I'll never forget my mom. My mom was like, what is that Chucky up to now? She, I, I'll never forget. She came into the barn. She heard the screaming. She came in the barn. She looks out. And I'll never forget my mom. I'm like, help. And my mom's like, why? She goes, I'm going to lose the farm. This is a lawsuit, right? She goes running out and, and grabs a hold of me. And I'm holding Peter. And somehow we slowly, I'm all like, I'm all covered. Slowly we worked him out of that manure. Got him out before he whatever they call it, suffocated, and, and uh, can't call it drowning. And we got, we got him out, and, and he was covered. I mean, you can't imagine. Head to toe with manure, as bad as you can imagine, right? It's hard to even explain this, but it was bad. It was horrible. And, and he's like, oh, come here, Pete, I'll get you washed off. And I took him out. They had a hose from the milk house. I brought it out. And I just started spraying him off, just hammering at him with his hose. And it was bad. I, I couldn't. It was, and so I put the hose into his shirt. I'll never forget it. And it starts going down. And it's coming out of his pant legs, manure, manure. And, and I'm getting him. And it's still bad. He smells bad. It's horrible. He's like, my grandma's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. And, and I go, no, Pete, she'll just be glad you're alive. I remember saying that. She'll just be glad you're alive. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. When you explain right now, I keep spraying, spraying, spraying. And finally, finally I got him presentable. And my mom says, now take him home. I'm like, oh, great. You know, I got to face his grandma. So oh, the whole way home, he's slogging home. You know, it's like still oozing out of him everywhere. And 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 I'm, and I'm like, he's like, my grandma's going to kill me. I go, no, she's just going to be happy or alive, Pete. I'm telling you, she's going to be happy to see you alive. You know, and, and I kept saying it to him. And we got up on the porch and he slogs up onto the porch. It's still oozing. It's horrible, right? And I and I uh, knocked on the door and I ran because I knew his grandma was going to kill him. And I don't want to get killed too. I didn't want to get killed. 
And, and later I found she didn't let him in. She did make him take off his clothes, you know, the whole thing, you know, host him off again. You know, couldn't go into the house. She was disgusted. She was so angry. She, yeah. Anyway, I don't know what she did to him, but I, I'm glad I wasn't there to see it. But that's what it's like going in God. You know, that's why we go into God's presence with even one sin. It's like we're covered with manure. It's disgusting to him. It's horror. I mean, just imagine letting something like that into your house. That's what we want to come to God's house like that. We want to go get into heaven someday. It, it, it's horrible because because God, for all have sinful short of God's glory. God is just. God is holy and just. And we have to understand that. Psalm 36, 6 says this. It says, your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. That's what God's righteousness, his holiness is. High as the highest mountain. His, his, his justice is like the deepest part of the ocean. It's, it's un, you can't even imagine how high and how deep it is. He's holy and just. And so many people today don't understand this. That God is first of all holy and just. And if we're going to follow him, we must pursue his righteousness and his justice. Because that's who he is. So many people today, even Christians, I've seen over the last couple of years have fallen into this lie of social justice. I'm going to I'm going to follow. I'm going to be a social justice warrior. I'm going to follow social justice. And and so it just it just so many even Christians blindly following this social justice lie. And it is a lie because the foundation of social justice, you don't have to dig deep to get to the foundation is, is abortion is part of it. Right. Reproductive justice. You've got to kill a baby to have social justice. Right. Are you kidding me? Uh, and, and sexual sin of all kinds are, are not just accepted, but forced upon everybody else. That that is that is unbelievable. It, 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 it's counterfeit. That's 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 a demonic social justice is a demonic counterfeit lie, including the Black Lives Matter. It's, it's a big life. Black Lives Matter. Listen, are you kidding? Now it's been exposed as a big, you know, uh, scam anyway. But even before that, right from the start, their whole goal, these, the, these couple of ladies that started this whole thing, their whole goal was to overturn the biblical family, to take away dads out of families. That's the last thing a black person needs, right? You know, and, 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 and they push abortion and sexual sin. It's crazy. That's why we as a church support every Black Life Matters. That's an organization that's focused on really caring about black people. And we, we financially support it. And I've been passing the books around. It's every Black Life Matters. And they're, they're from, from the baby, an unborn baby, uh, to the young men who are being murdered, to the, to the people who are, uh, you know, being persecuted by uh, some dishonest policemen. And, and all the way up the line, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. It's biblical. Biblical. Because in the Bible... Amos 5.24 says this, But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. That is justice. But justice and righteousness are completely connected. And any kind of justice that is not connected to righteousness is a demonic lie. It's a demonic lie. That, that it's inseparable. You cannot separate God's justice and his righteousness. It, Christians, we have to pursue biblical justice. 
versus social justice lies. We have to pursue biblical justice. And there's no such thing. Remember, there's no such thing. Amos 5.24. There's no such thing as justice without righteousness. It's a lie. It's a lie. So God is holy and just. God is holy and just. And he was so concerned about maintaining his justice that he took a shocking step to keep it. But he still wanted to justify us, just as if I never sinned. He has justice. He's got to punish sin. But he wants to make us just as if we never sinned, justification. He wants to justify us. And this is where God's love comes in. This is where God's love starts. This is where it comes in. God wanted to maintain his cosmic justice, but to still justify us. So he made the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice of his one and only son. Back to Romans 3.25. But God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did it to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God was committed. He sacrificed his son as a sacrifice of atonement, of at-one-ment. That's what he did. He wants to maintain his justice, but he wants to justify us. He came up with a solution of sacrificing his only son. I remember years ago, and I was trying to find the story. I couldn't dig it out of my files, but I remember it. There was a father who accidentally shot his daughter. Uh, I can't remember if it was uh, hunting or however it happened. It was one of these tragic accidents. I remember it. And he shoots her, and she's dying. And his, her last words to her father were, I love you, Daddy. Imagine that. I love you, Daddy. God the Father crucified his own son, allowed him to be killed on purpose. It was no accident. And Jesus' last words were, it is finished. Which we're really saying, by saying that is saying, my father loves you. My daddy loves you. Romans 5.8, we're going to get to that in a few weeks. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the love. First the justice, first the holiness, then the justice. And now, way down the line, we get to the love. But something terrible had to happen first. Jesus Christ had to die in our place. His Jesus died a traumatic death. Every sin we ever committed, ever committed, every evil act in history from the beginning, from Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, all the way to the book of Revelation, landed on the Holy Son of God. God in the flesh. And we landed like acid burning him. He was holy. He had never sinned. It never had touched him. And it landed like burning acid on the Son of God. That's what it was like in order to save us from burning in hell. 
He took that to save us from burning. Second uh, uh, Thessalonians 1, 6 to 10. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut up from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. God is just. And we all deserve to burn. But Jesus has made a way out he has made a way out and jesus went through this on the cross to to pay for god's just wrath to pay the price and 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 that's what he he it was like i talk about the acid burning him that's what the sin hitting him was like it was it was it was it was painful. The cross was painful. Yeah, physically, we always focus on the physical part. That was nothing compared to the spiritual part. The physical was horrible. Crucifixion, horrible. You've seen the movies and we preached on it. But the real pain was caused by the spiritual. Not, and I'm not talking about just being separated from this father, which was devastating. Why have you forsaken me? But he was completely holy. And he took every sin in history. And we're not done with it yet, are we? He took every sin, in, the weight of every sin ever committed. Imagine your worst sin ever. Imagine that. Your worst sin ever. And then you multiply that by billions. That's what was put on holy God, the Son of God. The worst. Cry of Freedom movie. Put it in perspective for you. Cry of Freedom movie we saw, they talked about pedophilia, you know, people abusing children sexually. And lots of people after the movie have been discussed, they're like, oh, I can't believe these people. What would they do that for? It's horrible. And and I always say to everybody, listen, it is, but our sins are just as bad. But also don't forget this. The majority of people who struggle with pedophilia temptation have been sexually abused themselves. They're in slavery too. They're in slavery just like those kids. They were abused as kids. The slavery goes both. It's a lot bigger slavery, right? And and also, I say, Jesus died to pay for them, too. Their sins, too. we got to keep that perspective. And as you know, I've talked about many times, we have a, a ministry here at our church to people who are getting freedom from that. And we're seeing people set free, forgiven and set free, and radically transformed. That's the only answer for the struggle. This is the only answer for what's going on with us is people freed by Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ. But Jesus took that sin and all of our shameful sins, every one of us, and every horrible act in human history, Jesus took that on himself. Think about what that cost. God the Father. What it cost God the Father to do that To his only son. How many would how many of you would sacrifice your only child for Epstein? For Hitler? 
How many of you would do it? We wouldn't even think about it, right? But he did that for every one of us. Think about the the agony that Jesus Christ experienced to save us. I was trying to think of a way to put it, and Paul McBride sent me a great thing on LinkedIn, a story, a World War II story yesterday. It, it, It was the perfect picture of what Jesus did for us spiritually, physically horrible, but spiritually what he did. This is called, uh, this was by Hiram Figueroa, who posted this. Uh, it's the fastest Medal of Honor ever awarded. I'd never heard this story. The fastest Medal of Honor ever awarded. On April 12, 1945, Staff Sergeant Henry Irwin was a radio operator aboard a B-29 flying a bombing run over Japan. Upon reaching the target area, a white phosphorus Phosphorescent, you know, one of those burning things. All right, phosphorus canister ignited inside the bomb bay of the aircraft. It was going to go down. They were all going to be killed. As the billowing white smoke filled the aircraft, Irwin immediately crawled to his hands and knees dropped inside the bomb bay and cradled the 1,300-degree burning white phosphorus canister. With his hair on fire, melting nose, arms, and entire upper body, he crawled toward the cockpit, opened the cockpit window, and threw it out of the plane. With his clothing on fire and his face charred beyond recognition, He was barely still alive when the plane made its way back home. Upon landing, he's still alive. His body was so stiff that he had to, they had to dismantle. The side of the plane to get him out. He was transferred to a hospital in Guam where the doctors were sure he was a goner. Irwin was immediately recommended for the Medal of Honor. And authorities in D.C. expedited the process so that he could, uh, so they could be presented to him before he died. That's why it's the fastest medal ever. But there was only one medal in the Pacific on display in Hawaii in a locked glass case. An officer there, unable to find the key, smashed the glass. And personally flew it to Guam. One week from the bombing run, Irwin was presented with a medal of honor. You want to put the picture up for me? Irwin survived the war. His injuries and lived until he was 81. I said to Mikey when I was telling, showing him that story, I said, I would have jumped out with a canister. <laughs> Save the guys and jumped out. It's so unbelievable what this guy went through, right? But that is a perfect picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. We were going to burn. And he took this burning for us spiritually. Spiritually took 
every one of our sins on himself. And we can't even begin to grasp what that suffering was. Holy God, taking our sin, carrying that sin to save us, to satisfy God's justice and to justify us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Boy, it just takes on a whole new meaning when we understand what he really did. Every one of us has to make the decision, will we act on that? I did John 3.16, but John 3.36, just a few verses later, says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Will we face God's justice or take the plea bargain, plea bargain, plead the blood of Jesus? What will you do? And if you've already put your faith in Jesus, I hope this will burn into your hearts and into your minds, into our hearts and minds. Romans 12.1 takes on a whole new meaning. We're going to hit that down the road a few months. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. God's love, living because of that, living out his love. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe for the first time in your life you really understand God's justice, God's holiness, and by extension, God's love. Have you ever acted on God's love? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, received that gift of life? We get that by faith. In Jesus, putting our trust in Jesus, giving our life to Jesus. If you've never taken that step, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you wherever you are, you can put your faith in Jesus right now. happens in our heart, but I always encourage people to, to, to pray a prayer of faith. To put an exclamation point on it. God, I repent of my sin. 
every sin that nailed you to that cross. Every sin that burned you. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. Trusting your death and resurrection for me. To forgive me and give me a new life. you have prayed that prayer of faith you have just been declared innocent justified just as if I never sinned and the Holy Spirit is now the Spirit of Jesus is now living inside of you Your life will never be the same. It can't be. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, I want you to commit to letting somebody know. Maybe a family member or friend here. Maybe have somebody at work who's been praying for you, somebody at school witnessing to you. Maybe you've got a grandmother just praying for you day and night. Let them know today. Don't let the day go without telling so we can be excited. And if you don't have anybody to tell them, tell me on the way out. I'll be excited. For those of us who already put our faith in Jesus, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we offering our bodies as living sacrifices? Is there something that we're jumping off the altar somehow? Something keeping us from being that spiritual act of worship in our life? Would you surrender that to Jesus? Would you change your motivation from got to do this to I want to do this? For Jesus. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would finish this in our hearts and in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name.